All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with our journey to the top here at the Hi-Fi Summit. It is day four, and we are here with Greg oh, from yeah. NAD. How are you guys doing? Doing great, thanks. Hey, what's going on, Greg? Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, the You're Chief Technology welcome. Officer, Lenbrook. <laughs> right? That's my title. Yeah, that's what they that call That means me. you know a whole lot. <laughs> you know a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is our second time meeting. The first time was at CES. Uh, this this CES. Jan, what was that? January, Chana? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five months January, ago. just before yeah. the COVID set. Yeah, I know. For all the, for all the madness happened. I, I actually interviewed Greg at uh, Cedia. Oh, last okay. Year. Yes, he did. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah that was fun. Well. That was fun. Uh, so, let's see here. Are there any questions in the comments? Oh, they're, already? They're, already, they're already saying they love the 777. Don says, uh, I'm not a big two-channel guy, but damn, that M10 is sexy. Yes, yeah. it is. It I think is. we've been eyeing that. And it's got that HDMI arc. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> take, take a shot, buddy. There's another one that they have that has HDMI arc that hopefully we talk about a little bit later. And so, yeah. Yeah, I, I we're adding HDMI arc to a lot of our two-channel products because cool. we feel that a lot of people like to use two-channel for... TV watching and uh, sure. and video. I think that's a great so, idea. So, yeah, awesome idea. Greg, can you give us a little, uh, you know, history? I mean, you've been with a company for a while. Yeah, I started uh, with NAD in uh, 1997, um, and I had actually been in the industry for many years before that. Worked for Bowers and Wilkins and Adcom. If some of you remember that brand, yeah, and, uh, yeah sure. Uh, Tandberg, if there's any old timers out there, remember tape recorders. Uh, I was with Tandberg for a while. So uh, this has been a hobby and a passion for me for many, many years. And uh, I'm just really lucky that I was able to make a, a career out of my, my passion. So um, that's when I came to NAD. And uh, I actually came from a sales and marketing background, but I'm also a technologist and uh, and so I've really been leading uh, the NAD development since uh, the early 2000s. 2001, I took over as uh, 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 director of development for NAD. So, and now uh, Lenbrook has uh, is the parent company, and we also have PSB speakers and Blue Sound uh, uh, multi-room audio, wireless audio, and. Uh, so I'm overseeing the the general technology development for all those brands at this point. Very cool. So kind of a one guy says it's kind of a silly question, but you mentioned NAD. What does that stand for? Well, it uh, stands for New Acoustic uh, Dimension, which is a very 70s kind of thing. Started in 72. <laughs> right. um, it's unique because... Unlike most brands that start as a factory that wants to sell stuff, NAD started as a bunch of distributors that wanted to sell stuff, uh, and they didn't like any of the stuff that was available for sale back then. The uh, uh, you know a lot of the brands were were being sold off then. Uh, brands like uh, Morantz had become uh, really taken over by a, a, a Far East company and. It just wasn't the same old Morantz anymore. So they had this vision to create uh, a, a value-based brand that offered great performance at a good price. 
and uh, you know, really sounded like high fidelity. So that's kind of where it all started. And uh, so that was the dimension part of it. Uh, and then over the years, uh, it evolved and uh, it, it's got really quite a history of innovation. Uh, and you know, today I'm hoping we can talk a bit about amplifiers because that's really one of our core uh, competencies at NAD is, is designing uh, and innovating in the, in the amplifier space. I think our guys are interested in amplifiers. Even got a question here, uh, or kind of a comment. Excited to hear about the new amps and see and you know check those out with the Class D modules. Yeah, yeah. The Purify, we've, that's our latest uh, uh, partnership. Uh, we've partnered with uh, several technology companies to bring their concepts to market. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing to come up with a great idea. It's another thing to make it into a an amplifier that actually works and meets all the safety requirements and hits a good price point and and uh so all of that uh takes a company like nad and uh, apply their many many years of uh of manufacturing prowess mm -hmm. yeah so i i know a little bit about nad and i know that you mentioned about value and different companies have their different perspectives about how they approach that you know some are cost no object uh, what is NAD really focused on? Well, I think the big contribution NAD made was in the very early years, uh, the first paid employee was a fellow by the name of Bjorn Eric Edvardsson. And uh, he's a, a Norwegian that was uh, uh, went to the university in London, uh, worked for a while with Ray Dolby at Dolby Laboratories, then he went to Acoustic Research in uh, Massachusetts, AR Loudspeakers. Um, and he had a really unique philosophy, which today sounds kind of like, well, of course, but at the time, nobody designed amplifiers this way. And in a nutshell, what he said was, an amplifier should be able to play music and it should be able to drive a loudspeaker. And, you know, really most amplifiers were developed using test tones and load resistors in a laboratory. And very few people uh, at that time really thought that there was much difference in the way amplifiers sounded. They thought, well, as long as it has less than 1% distortion, nobody can hear better than that, right? And uh, they made amplifiers with 1% distortion and thought their job was done. So he had a very different approach and it, it has become the, the cornerstone of NAD's philosophy over the years is to create uh, amplifiers that are musical and can drive uh, difficult to drive loudspeakers or any loudspeaker that you might want to hook up to it. Yeah, you know, I was looking at some of the specs on the NAD amps, and I noticed that you guys are very conservative when it comes to those specs. Kind of curious, is there a reason for that? I mean, I think it's awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, we think that um, we would rather surprise people with a better performance <laughs> than what they thought they were buying than disappoint them with less than they thought they were buying. But, you know, all of our specs are based in uh, uh, the International uh, Institute of High Fidelity, which really doesn't quite exist anymore. I think it was taken over by the CTA and it's just kind of uh, gone uh, by the wayside. But uh, in, there were so many false claims about amplifiers or misleading claims that people couldn't really make a judgment. And I think we've almost come full circle. Uh, a lot of the amplifier specs I see now are 
very uh, fanciful and wishful thinking. Uh, we specify a couple of ways. Number one, we give continuous power output, which really gives you an idea of how, what the current capability of an amplifier is. If it can deliver its power uh, into eight ohms, into four ohms, and do it over a long-term period. But that kind of power is more like what powers your light bulb. You know, it's like music isn't like that. Music is constantly starting and stopping, sure. and you've got dynamics and transients. And so we also focus on dynamic power and, uh, and give both of those specifications. So the continuous power at rate of distortion, all the channels driven in the case of an AV receiver even, we do it with all the channels driven simultaneously. And that really tests the strength of the power supply. And then the dynamic power is, you know, is how fast is this amplifier? Can it really follow the music? If there's a big transient and there are many in music, that's what it is. It's more like a flash bulb than a light bulb. It's, you know, can it illuminate that note uh, as it's being hit? And so we, we give both of those specs and hopefully that helps people uh, make a better decision when they're shopping amplifiers. Sure thing. Uh, yeah, that's, that's very respectable because of course, if you put a higher number for somebody who doesn't really understand the difference, they might just be looking for a bigger number. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so you might possibly lose a sale because of that. But to me, that's very respectable because you're, at, you're telling the truth. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do tend to sell through specialty distribution, specialty dealers. And um, part of the reason for that is they can explain to customers, you know, exactly what they're, what they're purchasing and what they're listening to and why it all matters. So uh, we, we like to support that, uh, the dealers that are really knowledgeable and give uh, exceptional service. Now, now, Greg, I noticed that uh, a lot of the, the new stuff that you've been coming out with are pretty much all Class D. Any particular reason for that? Yeah, there, there are several. Um, I mean, most Class D was uh, invented in, uh, which is basically a switching amplifier. Uh, Class D can either be digital or it can be analog. And we, we have made both and still do. Um, so a digital class D amplifier is really a, a DAC that can drive a loudspeaker directly. And uh, we had an amplifier called the M2 we came out with about uh, 10 years ago, which was really the first successful implementation of this, uh, of this concept, uh, where we actually uh, feed in a digital PCM signal and get an analog signal out the other end. And it all happens in one very compact stage of the amplification. Then we also have what we're doing a lot of these days, which is an analog class D amplifier. This new Purify EigenTAC that one of the, the listeners mentioned uh, fits into this category of amplifier. So it takes an analog signal and puts an analog in and an analog out, but it uses switching technology. It samples uh, that uh, analog signal at a very high frequency and uh, and it makes it for a very efficient amplifier, but it also has other advantages uh, over other amplifier types. And, uh, you know, we're finally coming into an age where the class D is where the, uh, where all the innovation is and where the, uh, where the best, we believe the best performance uh, for now and for the future will be in this class D space. Are you still using that the direct digital tech? We do still make direct digital, and we're actually developing uh, some new 
uh, variations on it. So uh, which one you should use, I guess they both have advantages and disadvantages like everything in life. There's no, no such thing as perfect. Sure. Um, but if your source material is largely digital, then the digital type is obviously it eliminates a lot of uh, circuitry leading up to it, which uh, basically the more complex something is, uh, every stage of complexity can only take things away. It can never add anything back in. So we go for very simple uh, signal paths uh, wherever possible uh, and uh, you know, kind of a pure and simple approach. In fact, at one time that was our slogan, pure and simple. Pure and simple. So, okay, so if it's not used on every single one, then what are some of the other technologies that, that you're using? Well, we've also been using, uh, we've worked quite a bit with a designer, a European designer whose name is Bruno Putzies. Uh, he, when he was working with Philips, he created something called the Universal Class D. And that's a self-clocking amplifier, which means that unlike most switching amplifiers, there's no external clock or switcher. It actually is a series of nested feedback loops that all resonate uh, in a very harmonious way and create the sampling frequency uh, for the amplifier. He went on to Hypex and created a, a next generation of that called Encore, which we've been using extensively in our master series products. And he's now uh, uh, part of the uh, Purify team. So uh, Purify is a group out of Denmark started by um, uh, Peter Lingdorf. And some of you may know Lingdorf for audio and mm -hmm. Steinway Lingdorf and Dolly loudspeakers. Uh, he's been involved in a lot of those and was one of the first uh, NAD distributors as well. So. There's a long history with Peter, and uh, he actually produced the first digital amplifier that was successful called the Millennium, the TACT Millennium back in 2000. Uh, and a fellow by the name of Lars Risbo uh, came out of one of the Danish universities and uh, solved one of the big problems in that, that kind of design. He then went on, sold it to Texas Instruments, and was at Texas Instruments for many years. So now Peter has brought Lars Risbo with his experience in digital amplification and Bruno Putzies with his uh, analog class D amplifier uh, knowledge. And uh, these guys are just, they're like kids in a candy shop. I mean, they're <laughs> love doing. Uh, but it takes, then it takes a company like NAD to take what they have come up with and package it into a real product that is reliable and affordable and people can buy. So that's where we fit into that scene. And just uh, looking at this, we're, looking we're at this again. A great job uh, promoting uh, new technology in the amplifier space. So that's how we can fall for uh, Purify. So, um, so real quick, you know, there's a specs aspect, right? So some people design based on, you know, specs, like you were saying, and then there are folks who just, you know, they listen. And of course, I think it should probably be a balance of those two, but um, how do you guys approach that? Yeah, I mean, it does have to be a balance. Um, you know, my colleague, uh, Paul Barton from PSB Speakers says, uh, you know, it's, it's the interpretation of the measurements that yeah. is important. So you have to know what measurement means what in terms of the sonic 
experience. So uh, there is a relationship there. Uh, I don't, especially when you get into digital amplification, it's all mathematics. I mean, the idea that you could listen to something and tweak it in the digital domain is not really, um, uh, not realistic. Um, on the other hand, knowing uh, what spec does what and how to resolve that. In fact, with the Purify amplifiers, the big advance that has been made here is really in the magnetics, believe it or not. There's something called hysteresis distortion. It's a non-linearity that's in the output filter. And, uh, and you know, Purify has discovered that this has a huge impact on so sound quality. And uh, they've developed some technology that actually resolves that in a way that has never been done before. So uh, it really is a breakthrough amplifier design. Uh, and it builds on what uh, uh, Bruno Putzis had done previously with Hypex and with Philips. So there's a kind of lineage there, but it's really a, a quite a different concept uh, in terms of, uh, of amplifier performance. Yeah, I noticed every, every time I talk, last time when I interviewed you, I was just like, mm-hmm, mm -hmm. Just I just find myself just listening to everything and agreeing um, because you're just, you, you have so much to, to offer, you know, as far as the history and the knowledge. So I'm always like, well, thank anyway. you. I mean, the, the history is great. I'm a history buff too. So uh, ah, but audio history is really sense. interesting because... <laughs> Uh, you know, when uh, when High Fidelity was really born was really after World War II. And um, uh, and at that time, if you wanted to have a hi-fi rig, you basically took stuff from theaters. You know, they used theater speakers mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, cobbled them together with uh, do-it-yourself uh, uh, tube amplifiers. And, uh, you know, so a lot of the amplification was actually in the horns on the speaker. And uh, they couldn't get much power out of an amplifier. And uh, yeah. uh, so, you know, if you had 12 watts, you were doing pretty good back in those days. And, you know, if you <laughs> get it down to 1% distortion, that was high fidelity. Uh, and then you put it into these voice of the theater speakers and, you know, you got a really big sound. And uh, at, uh, there's a show in, uh, in Munich every spring called the, uh, the High End Show, the Munich High End Show. And there's one exhibitor there that has a complete setup from that era. It's it's the Western Electric oh, yeah, yeah. speakers, and it's it's amazingly good. I mean, it's just it's quite an experience. Of course, it's mono. Uh, mm -hmm. They're playing LPs through it, and it's this giant speaker that's you know they have it in a ballroom, and it's the side you know it's it's six feet high and eight feet wide and you know it's unbelievable still holds up a little bit huh but it still holds up this guy rebuilds them all and plays them but uh of course we've come a long way since then and uh you know so when we got into the 60s uh to make high fidelity something that you could put in a typical home and you know and have a spouse that would let you have it uh you had uh, ar loudspeakers edgar vilcher came out with the acoustic suspension box, which was a little speaker, uh, you know, for the time. And, uh, you know, one or two, one cubic foot box. And uh, they put a small woofer in it. Uh, and it was very inefficient, but it would go down to 32 hertz to the low note of the organ pedal um, in this little tiny box, whereas previously you needed 
uh, a giant uh, gargantuan speaker to do that. But that's when the need for a better amplification really became uh, uh, important. And, uh, you know, so to make one of those things go, you needed something like 60 watts. So that was an expensive Macintosh or Marantz amplifier at that time until NAD came along and came up with uh, some amplifiers that were very affordable and could drive these uh, sealed box speakers. Wow. See, I love hearing that sort of stuff. Check this out. This one's a funny one. Um, years ago, I had a 100-watt uh, per channel app, and my brother had a 70-watt per channel NAD, and I teased him until I heard it blew my 100 watts out of the water. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I got this uh, pulled up here because this is great. Um, right here. Full disclosure power. All channels simultaneously driven at full bandwidth, 9 by 85 watts. Like You nice. don't see that ever. In any kind of multi-channel, it doesn't say uh, 220 watts by half a speaker. By one at know? like five percent distortion. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. you don't see any of that nonsense. So that's I really like nice. It. Like yeah. that—that's one of the things I like uh, about NAD products. Well, back in the uh, in the 60s and 70s, we had something called instantaneous peak power (IPP), and that was, you know, just before the thing caught on fire. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, you know, that's great. Oh, using an external God. power supply and you know it was a very fanciful number so that's for 29 dollars you get a 300 watt amplifier you know, it was, that's uh, awesome well, i know like in the um in the late 50s that's when um universal audio started um making all these consoles for for recording studios and to see that kind of gear you know um help change and evolve the whole hype just just music in general yeah. and help with uh you know getting a higher fidelity recording uh, yeah. is, is really cool. And then every time I go to NAM, you know, they still have the old consoles, um, you know, displayed there. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, the big amplifier back in those days for sound reinforcement was the Crown DC 300. Crown, huh? 300 watts. It was 150 watts per channel. And that's what you drove your stack, your PA stack with a bunch of those. Ah. Yeah, still, still do to this day too. And, and Crown is still making amplifiers. Of course, they've yeah. come a long way since the 300. But the big deal on the 300 was it had crowbar protection circuitry. They called it, which was basically they just kick off the power supply when it saw a short circuit. So if you fried a driver in your uh, in your speaker system, it wouldn't blow up the amplifier. The amplifier would disconnect itself really it would fast. Just shut off. Oh wow. So, well, I'm just looking. Is this right? We got a we got a question over yeah. here. I just lost it again. <laughs> I do that all the, every time. I like I start scrolling. I'm like, maybe I'm just ADD and I just get sidetracked. I don't know. But they were asking, you know, does NAD have a plan for, um, you know, some larger home theater like pre pros, uh, thirteen oh, yeah, channel, nine channel. Here it is, right here. Here we go. Any plans, Don asks, any plans for 11, 13, or 16-channel pre-pro? Well, we are, I mean, you know, we're constantly working on next-generation stuff. Like, all of our receivers, and we do make a pre-pro and master series called M17. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, all of these use a, a technology we call modular design construction. So there are actually modules that can be removed and upgraded. So... You know, when the next version of HDMI comes out, you don't have to throw your very expensive right. or out the, you know, 
and those things become worth nothing once mm -hmm. the technology goes by, you know. Yeah. Um, so we have a, an upgrade uh, path, and uh, nice. so all of our stuff now will do 11 channel. Um, uh, but some right. of it, not all the channels are amplified in the receivers. Sure, like the 778. The receiver yeah. is the 778, right. and that's nine channels of amplification. So if you want to go more, you have to add it. But, um, you know, we are looking at all those things, um, and uh, the question is usually how many people really want 16 channels, for example. Sure. Um, I, if we make 16 channels... Will they come and buy it? Or well, will... you know, you know that old adage: if you build it, they will come. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, look at this. I mean, Jeff says he loves a seven 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 version three, but you know that seven seven eight is kind of calling his name. So yeah. <laughs> and and that that touch screen is is pretty sexy. It looks seeing slick, that thing dude. in person is yeah. is it's a work of art. I think but, all three um, of us have kind of been eyeing that, but nobody's got one to send it to. <laughs> you know? It's like, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, the cool thing on the touch screen is you can do your setup without the on-screen display if you want. So yeah. mm -hmm. uh, especially for a lot of these receivers get uh, installed uh, mm -hmm. by custom installation companies sure. that are doing theaters. And for them, a lot of times they don't have the projector yet, but mm -hmm. they want to do the set up right. the sound. That makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah. So they can do the whole setup now on the front panel. And, cool. uh, and of course, when you're listening to music, you get the cover art. Uh, that also uses our Blue OS um, music streaming uh, technology. So that uh, allows you to stream music and you can see the cover art, which is really nice because maybe you don't have the TV on when you're listening to music. So, Let's see, Woody wants the M17. Mike down here says he wants the, you know, he's like, who wouldn't want a 16 channel? Yeah. <laughs> Who wouldn't? <laughs> That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Look, we've we've even got we've even got someone saying, "Come to India, and he'll hook us up with." There you <laughs> go. Seven, seven that's, eight. That's awesome. And that's a long trip for yeah. for a receiver. That's right, man. <laughs> well, we you know that's another thing with NAD is that we do have distribution all around the world. So we're yeah. in that's cool about fifty countries. Uh, so it's. Um, you know, with people moving around the world now, that's that's a bigger factor. And that's, by the way, you were asking about Class D. That's another advantage of Class D is that uh, we use a, uh, a power supply that's universal. So if you do move to Europe or you move to Japan or... Oh, that's nice. Uh, you don't have to buy a new... Uh, I grew up in the, uh, in the Boston area of Massachusetts, and there was always foreign students coming over with their hi-fi system, which is 220, and they're going, what do I do? You know, do you have an adapter for this? Uh, right. Can you rewire it? Uh, and sometimes you'd add multiple taps so you could set it for different voltages. But uh, you know, the, the, these new modern power supplies they self-adjust to the to the voltage, and they actually are much more precise and accurate in terms of delivering the DC voltage that uh, the power amplifier and the, and the preamp and the DAX and all that uh, want. So uh, that's been really a, a positive development. Sure. Got a couple other questions coming in. Why didn't the 778 have, I think he means uh, dual subwoofer um, Output. outputs? Yeah, that uh, in that, uh, the architecture uh, of that didn't allow us to do that. Mm -hmm. So, um, but in the future, that will definitely be uh, part of the mix. Sure. Uh, 
if you look at our like our, someone mentioned the m10 and uh the new thing that we just came out with the m33 uh also the c658 which is a uh, a two-channel uh preamp uh, music streamer uh, those all have dual subwoofer outputs and they all feature direct uh, room correction this real quick. and uh Dirac is now uh, developing a, a multiple subwoofer implementation. So you can use uh, more than one subwoofer. And uh, so on these products, we have two subwoofer outputs. And when uh, their base, uh, their new uh, base, uh, not equalization, it's correction comes out, uh, we'll be ready for that. Okay. They do very interesting things, Dirac does, because they look at the sound, they measure the sound waves in the room, and they can actually, if you've got, let's say, a, a big dip in your frequency response, let's say at 100 hertz, which is mm -hmm. pretty common in many rooms, um, that's really an acoustic cancellation. And mm -hmm. you can't add more power to fill that in because you'll just make the dip, the more power you add, the deeper the dip will go because you get even more cancellation. So the only way to handle something like that is to move the speaker. But obviously, you you move the speaker and then you get a dip someplace else. So this uh, whole concept that Dirac has of using multiple woofers and multiple speakers and all talking to each other, in essence, uh, they can have one speaker fill in what's missing on the other one. And uh, so at the listening position, you get really flat response and even more importantly the response is time aligned so uh the wave form from all the different speakers is integrated and all the energy uh comes right at you uh all at once so it's very cool look at this m10 eee, looks awesome you guys seen that oh, yeah man. so the m10 you i think one of the things that you'll be seeing more of from uh nad are these uh, the concept of just add speakers. So the M10 was the first product where everything is, that you need uh, is in there. And then it's got inputs for things that may not be there, like a, uh, if you wanted to add a CD player or, or a TV to it, you can do that. I was kind of surprised to see some other stuff. I see a turntable here, headphones. I didn't even know that you guys made those. Yeah. Yeah. We make stuff in every category. Turntables, of course, we've, we kind of didn't, we offered like a turntable for a few years uh, back in the early 2000s. Um, but as turntables have become more and more popular, we've gone back and made some really serious uh, uh, high performance turntables. Uh, so we have a couple of those in the range right now. Is, is this the least expensive amplifier that you have here that has uh, HDMI arc? Uh, yes, I think so. The thirty forty-five. Yeah, I like uh, this thing. This thing is cool. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really a, a popular piece for us. It's uh, again, that'll really blow your mind because it's so small and it's so powerful. Um, I think that one we rate at sixty watts continuous, but it will do. You know, into a four ohm speaker, it'll do uh, 160, 170 watts. Oh yeah. Power. That so it'll give it a kick spot, um, even though it fits on a desktop or on a bookshelf. Yeah, that'd be great for like a bedroom, you know, right there on the dresser. 
Yeah, you know? and that one we have an input for your computer. So if you're really into uh, Jay River or some of that, you know, mm. got your favorite um, music streaming software for a computer, uh, that's got a USB input that will, you know, accept up to uh, uh, 24192. And uh, uh, so that's a, a good way to go if you like your take your music that way. Or maybe you've got a Rune Nucleus, uh, something like that. Uh, I have a, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Audio Nirvana Ravana for my DSDs. Audio Nirvana. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it works with that'll that. work there too. Yeah, yep. he says wow. he has the the thirty forty five paired with Kef Q one fifties. Is an awesome desk setup. Yeah, and you know what? I see that you guys are doing a giveaway here at the Hi Fi Summit. So thank you for that. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, somebody's gonna be lucky because I I would like that also. I wouldn't mind, but I can't answer these. So yeah, we're uh, leaving that up to you guys. I mean, yeah, somebody else will win. Uh, um, the other thing is I see that you guys have a a discount code. A you know. Limited time from the 26th through the 30th. So this is the code uh, on the Hi-Fi Summit website. So yeah, very cool. Let me just get this off the screen. Just wanted to make sure to show that. Um, we still have a lot of questions in the. Yeah, here's one from Jeff. He says, I love the M33 and I'm thinking about adding uh, one for two channel. Any downside to using that to power my fronts via home theater pass through and the N I'm sorry, and the T777V3 to power the other channels for movies. No, that's a great way to go. Great way to go. That's basically what I do in my system. Mm -hmm. oh. I have a, a Master Series Pre-Pro, and that's going into an M33 for the front channels, which is with subwoofers. And yeah. Here's another one NADCI 720V2. Got some info on that. Uh, 720V2. Okay, that is a, uh, a CI-oriented product. So uh, that is uh, designed to, to sit in a rack, uh, or you can hide it behind a TV or something. It's a, uh, an unusual form factor. It's mm -hmm. uh, uh, very narrow. So in a, it's 3U high, and you can fit six of them in one rack space. So it's very narrow and deep. Mm -hmm. It's in a nice aluminum chassis. And uh, that is designed to live in a rack. It's got a thermostatically controlled fan on it. So, you know, even if it's 150 degrees Fahrenheit inside the rack, it's, it can still keep, keep cool. cranking and won't, won't, uh, won't shut down or interrupt or anything like that. Um, but that the more consumer version of that would be the blue sound power node hmm. so it's very similar to in terms of functionality to the blue sound power node but the power node is prettier um, although you know it's in the eye of the beholder your 720's got a more you know industrial look to it gotcha the 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 blue sound products are kind of like sonos on steroids a little bit you know they got that aesthetic <laughs> the, the like clean white aesthetic and uh but a lot more you know hi-fi orientated yeah i mean the, we we created the blue sound brand really because uh you know we found that is, nad has this great history and everything but not everybody wants their grandfather's hi-fi you know there's people that want something small and discreet and 
out of the way and they don't want a big rack of high fidelity components. And uh, so glue sound really fits uh, that, I, you know, it's an overused term, but it's more lifestyle oriented, you know. Mm -hmm. So we made it small, fits on a shelf. Um, and we've had great success with that. So it's, it, 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 you know, it is what a lot of people want to buy these days. Uh, just keep it right. really simple. Uh, it's got access to all the streaming services. It's high resolution audio. Uh, we're big proponents of high res audio. I know there's. Yeah, I like the um, the way it does the you know MQA you know unfold for title. So that's kind of cool. I that's like that. right. Yep, we've got MQA. We were one of the first uh, MQA licensees. Uh, we've also just added in uh, in the Blue OS uh, music management program. We've just added the Neil Young archives as well. And so Neil Young has all of his material ever recorded in high resolution. And um, so you can now directly stream that through Blue Sound. Previously, you had to go to uh, an app or to a computer to do that. So, Hey, Greg, so you guys have a, a lot of options for amplifiers if I go to the site. Do you, have, right. any, do you have any tips for somebody to help them decide what what to go for, which ones to get? Well, we try to make them uh, fit different categories. Um, so obviously, uh, for a lot of people, price is a big uh, decider. Um, so, you know, we make some separate power amps. If you love the preamp you have or the, the AV receiver you have, but just want to add more, more muscle, uh, we have uh, power amps that are just, you know, pure power. Uh, and then we've got things like the M10 that uh, you mentioned, or the 3045, which has really everything you need uh, up in front of the amplifier. Um, and uh, all of our amplifiers are designed to drive four ohm loads. They're all stable down to one ohm. Uh, so they will really drive anything. And that's, uh, that's a part where a lot of people, a lot of brands skim because it takes real, it's expensive to make a power supply that can drive a two ohm speaker. Sure, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it really draws a lot of current to do that. So that's something that we've always done. And then along with that, we always have this concept of dynamic power. So the voltage is, uh, there's a lot of voltage capability too. So when someone hit, when the snare drum is hit or the trumpet is hitting that crescendo, uh, the amplifier doesn't distort. It just stays really pure and clean. Yeah, I'm just looking some here. What's what's the least expensive one that you have here? Because this one's pretty affordable, 449 for this uh, 3020 V2. Yeah, and then there's also a 316 BEE. That's, yeah, uh, I was looking at this one. It says, uh, find a dealer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the 316 is really old school. That's still a class AB amp. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's got that uh, sort of classic NAD sound of the of the the old days, which was a very warm, uh, musical, fun sound. It was a little bit on the forgiving side. I yeah. think we've actually been able to translate that into the more modern Class D designs we're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, there you get the benefit of uh, of uh, less power consumption and. Uh, uh, and the ability to move it between different voltages. Uh, and, you know, it's got the universal supply and things like that. So, 
Either of those are great for budget systems. And uh, uh, they both have phono stages. That's another place where NAD is, has really excelled over the years. Uh, we developed a very unique phono stage that has extremely accurate equalization. A lot of people don't know this, but a record, if you just listen to it without the equalization, it just sounds really tinny because to fit the full range of music onto a groove, you have to turn down the bass by about 40 decibels and then turn up the treble by about 20. And then that gets reversed when you play it back. And that turns down the scratchiness of the surface noise and builds up the bass of the, uh, that couldn't fit on the groove. So it's a, uh, like a mirror uh, image of the original recording when you run through that phono stage. So that's a place where we've always done very well, very high overload mm -hmm. capability and, very quiet, very accurate. Yeah, so I noticed it has uh, bass and treble tone controls. I'm a, I'm a fan for tone yeah. controls. I find them useful. <laughs> yeah, and what we do with bass and treble is we, we don't do very much. Like the traditional, what's called the Baxendahl uh, uh, feedback type of tone control actually changes the distortion of the amplifier when you crank mm -hmm. it in and out. The way we do is it's a uh, it's a buffered uh, tone control, so the the distortion's always kept the same. We also push the where it works out to the frequency extremes. So when you crank up the bass control, it only really turns up the bass instruments. It doesn't affect the male uh, speaking or singing voice. And same in the treble. If you want a little more shimmer on the cymbals, you don't really want to make female vocals sound edgy and bright. Mm -hmm. So we just do it out at the extremes of the frequency range. So it's really useful for just touching up a recording that's a little dull or a little light in the bass. Or right. speakers that aren't perfect. <laughs> exactly. You know, I, aren't I perfect. mean, I, I think I can, you know, with just, just with the, you know, tone controls, I can make, you know, a world difference happen on speakers yep. that aren't that great. So I always yep. like having tone controls. I hate the ones on the AVRs because you got to go into a menu and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Right. And, it's, and it's a step. Whereas like a continuous analog, you know, you dial it in like that perfect amount. I yeah, like the that. good thing that's all about preference too. You know, everybody yep. it gives you the consumer some flexibility. That's you right. Know? Treble negative twelve, bass positive twelve. Let's go. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> in the modern kidding, world, kidding. when you do Dirac room correction, you can actually create the curve that you right. want, and it will do it. Nice. Wow. So it's like having a tone control at every frequency, uh, every individual frequency. So it's. Uh, really super, uh, super cool the way you can get it sound, uh, make your system sound just the way you want. And now, you know, that's what I like about the 778 is that you guys are bringing uh, Dirac down to a $3,000 price point mm -hmm. because uh, from what I understand, you know, any, any kind of multi-channel receiver with Dirac was like way, way more expensive than that. So, yeah, I'm excited to uh, check one out. They tend to be, it's... The license is expensive, so right. you know it, it does add to the price, and you need a lot of horsepower internally to make it work. It doesn't, gotcha. uh, you know, you do need uh, some place to store the filters and to implement them. So, gotcha. Kind of speaking yeah. on the home theater side of it, I have a question here from Don. He says you mentioned that all of the receivers' processors are processed at eleven channels, but looking on the back, you only saw um, eight um, outputs. Like There's seven actually the four more on, on the card. They're mini XLRs, ah. and uh, we supply an adapter to a standard XLR. Gotcha. 
we couldn't fit all the XLRs. That came later. So um, gotcha. when that chassis was first designed, we only had 7.1. We didn't have uh, 11 channels yet. But that's the cool thing about modular design construction. We were able nice. to upgrade that chassis. Uh, and that's the way we did it. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, we're... We're, we're getting uh, close. We're, we're getting close. Forward. You know what I would like to do, Greg, is if you can, after after this, if you could hang out for a little bit, um, we'll send you a login so you can jump into the into the lobby chat okay. at the Hi-Fi Summit because we have attendees here who would, I'm sure they would love to speak with you. And Just it's kind of like the same questions. situation where we have a video, mm -hmm. except um, there'll probably be like 20, 25 people in there that just want to ask you questions and so you're already set up with your webcam set up so if you wouldn't mind that would be cool sure yeah so i would still be on video you're saying yeah yep, you would just same. be on yep, video and i'll, I'll give you the instructions the after this yeah. yeah the only problem is where i'm doing this i don't have a keyboard no you don't no, you, oh, don't yo, you don't have a keyboard all right we'll figure yeah. something out okay. any other yeah. questions here any other questions not really. I see one something about uh, upcoming AV receiver, the seven 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 V three. Are you guys still product uh, producing the seven seven seven, or is it switched over to the seven seven eight? We are, but it will be. It's switching over to seven seven eight. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Triple seven V three is. Uh, it, they use the same. Um, there are some commonalities between them. They both share the same uh, MDC module. So mm -hmm. in terms of. Um, uh, the audio processing and the video processing, they're the same. The difference is this 777 is seven channels and it's class AV. And the new uh, 778 is nine channels and it's using our, uh, one of our uh, new class D designs. Greg, do you, do you do home theater? You into home theater? Are you just more a two-channel guy? I do both. I do both, oh. yeah. But so I, have a, I have an integrated system. In fact... I'm sitting in my listening room, so behind me you can see a MagnaPan speaker. And somebody commented on that earlier. Yeah, yeah. And there's actually a uh, screen that comes on from the ceiling. Nice. And I got a projector. So. He's doing. He's doing it right. He's Very doing it cool. right. Yeah. yeah so, so well, what what, uh, what are you driving the the speakers with? What's that? You you, you do you, I, you actually I wanted to know if you use a uh, Dirac. Oh yeah. System. Do you Absolutely. let it go all uh, full range, or do you use a curtain and kind of cut I'm, it off at a I'm certain? I'm using the curtain. I'm just doing the 500 hertz and below. Um, okay, all right. Which so, is what I do on my system too. Just yeah, kind of curious. I mean, that's, where, yeah, that's where the trouble is. Um, the upper Most part. It, right? I, I like the you know the sound of the speakers I have. So. Yeah. Here's Sounds a question: uh, What does Greg recommend for driving the Golden Ear Triton reference, and how much? does the output voltage of the source device play in the role of amplification? Uh, the voltage output of the source device shouldn't matter too much unless it's at some extreme, but you know, our inputs are designed to, uh, to accommodate a wide range of, uh, of uh, uh, input voltages. So I wouldn't worry about that. That's pretty straightforward. Um, and Golden Ear has used our AV receivers uh, and amplifiers quite a bit at shows to, to play their stuff. So, um, you know, we 
they like the fact that we have a high current amplifier because the, mm -hmm. the tritons have a lot of drivers in them. So uh, they can really suck up a lot of current uh, when you're playing them loud. So, um, you know, any of our amplifiers with a Triton, you'd probably be in one of our more expensive amplifiers, either in our classic or masters uh, range. But something like a C268, uh, rated at 80 watts a channel, uh, but it's well over 200 watts of dynamic power. Uh, and that's a great combo with that. And that's only a $900 power amp, so it's very affordable. Um, and then we've got things like the M22 V2, which is 300 watts a channel uh, in the Master Series, but that's like $3,000. So, mm -hmm. uh, and so there's, there's a range. All right. Well, very, very cool. It's always good to talk to you, Greg. Great talking hopefully, to you guys. Yeah. yeah, hopefully we get to meet again in person oh, yeah. soon. But until then, I think this so, is going to have to do. And thanks for doing this. This is a great idea you guys had to do the summit. I think it's really a, a great success. So. Awesome. We've been having a blast with these guys. Yeah. That's this guy. Sure. This guy's brainchild. It's, it's, every, it's everybody. You know? <laughs> right. The truth is, it's, it, if it was just me by myself, it wouldn't be so cool. But it's all you guys participating greg and everybody putting it together so well, thanks everybody. well you know this is this is what's coming out of this pandemic is yeah. these really inventive creative ways of connecting with people yeah uh, coming together yeah coming together so it's really fabulous thank you yeah so uh i think june will give you a call and um yeah chana why don't you take us out greg you stay here hang out with us for a second yeah sure all right, ladies and gentlemen, here we are, Hi-Fi Summit Day 4, and we will be back very soon to talk about turntables with Project USA. Again, big shout-out and thank you to NAD and especially Greg for spending the time with us. Uh, thank you so much, and we will see you soon. Oh, yeah. If I can hit end broadcast.